0: This is the Making It Happen Podcast, where we dive in and explore just exactly how people across technology make it happen. Hello, this is Making It Happen. I'm your host, David Galeata. And this is the podcast where I talk about career paths, individual journeys, and all things IT. All right, I'm super excited. I have my very first guest on the podcast. He's an InfoSec practitioner, a networking junkie, an active blogger, and he's currently a team lead in the Systems Engineering Group over at Fortinet. Manny Fernandez. Manny, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Sure. So Manny and I have been connected via LinkedIn for over a year now, and I found him through his blog, InfoSuckMonkey.com, as he's one of the only people that's actively blogging about Fortinet products. I'm a huge fan of Fortinet products, and I use them all throughout my clients. And with that, I'm thrilled to have him on the podcast. Thank you again, Manny, for taking the time to join me on the podcast.
1: My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Great. Looking at your work history, you've been in since the early '90s and have been in several roles. So, I want to go back to the beginning and talk about how you got into IT and technology in general.
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of strange. Uh, so, uh, I was in the Navy. Uh, I got out of the Navy, and my wife and I went back to school, and uh, we were taking a humanities class. And uh, I was working at a at a computer distributor company, kind of like a Tech Data Ingram type type company. Okay. And uh, my, wife, my wife was a receptionist at a clone computer company. And I remember that our, we were taking a humanities class and our professor said that he would not accept anything that's handwritten. So I told my wife, listen, we're going to have to buy a typewriter or a word processor or a computer or something. So she called me one day and says, hey, I just bought a computer. And I said, what? Because we were broke. Like we, we were really struggling. Okay. And uh, basically, we, she knows. I, I thought they were, you know, I didn't really know anything about computers at the time. And, uh, I brought the computer home and, uh, I remembered that, um, you know, I, I just got, I, it was like word, it was like running DOS and, and Windows 3.1 and, <laughs> and that sort of thing. So not a lot of, not a lot of craziness. And, um, so at that point, I remember that I started doing a little bit of research as much as I could. I didn't even have a modem on that computer. And, uh, one day I had a, a guy come to my house and he installed a modem on my computer it was 2400 baud that's how long ago it was Wow! <laughs> and uh yeah i started connecting to some of the bbs's and stuff like that and then started finding out what the, the internet was and at the time aol was like you know just mm-hmm. starting
0: wow man that's bringing back old memories that i had when uh my, my first family pc was windows 95 and aol was prime time and the modem dial up and all that good stuff.
1: Yeah, it uh, you know, then then I got into uh, somebody turned me on to uh, it was an ISP called PSINet and uh, or no, I'm sorry, it was uh, uh, CyberGate. And I remember getting an account. And at that time, there was no TCP IP stack included with Microsoft. So you had to install Trumpet, WindSock, DLL. And it was just I mean, it was it was a mission just to get on the Internet, let alone, you know, finding resources on it because it was fairly new at the time.
0: It's funny you mentioned that I was just having this conversation with my oldest son last week where I was telling him about a o l and dial up funny enough and how you had to dial up to get online and he was really surprised and just kind of taken aback that well you just don't open up Chrome or Firefox and go to google it was uh it was pretty funny,
1: yeah, it was definitely interesting,
0: yeah, so is that what sparked your interest in networking because I noticed a lot of your work history is centered on networking. And I myself, I'm a consultant now. I do cloud, I do server infrastructure and some other stuff. But I've always had a soft spot for networking in the sense that when I first started out in IT, I was fascinated how we could connect my corporate office to the branch offices and data centers all of, throughout the country. And so tell me a little bit more about that. So I
1: initially was, was interested in computer animation. And there, there was a studio here in Miami called Limelight Studios. And I used to basically go show up there and stalk the poor guy that worked the, the computer animation <laughs> portion. And I would ask them all different questions. And you know, soon they they didn't want me around anymore. I could tell that I was kind of a <laughs> pest. And uh there was a gentleman that worked with my wife at that computer company, and uh he would he would do networking, he was doing Novell. And I remember telling him, Listen, I'll go out with you, I'll help you carry your bags, I don't whatever you want, pull cable, it doesn't matter. And one day we did a, uh, a, a novel installation and upgrade. And I remember there was a lady that was there testing some of the apps after we did the upgrade. And she, uh, she says, Hey, uh, so-and-so I'm unable to access this, uh, this, this program. And he said, hold on. And he started typing some, some stuff on the keyboard. And then he said, test now. And she goes, okay, now it works. And just that concept of the power that 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 person had to either take or give access to an application would just, it turned me on in a way that I just, I couldn't put it down. I mean, I just, I wanted to consume anything networking and that's really what got me really interested in networking. And then it was just, uh, you know, just finding a job that that would allow me to learn at the time, you know, it was very difficult. Um, you know, people wanted experience and stuff like that and I didn't really have much, so I had an opportunity to get into a place and these guys were like just hardcore Novell uh, people, which is the network operating system at the time and uh, just really got involved in it. I got my, the highest certification that you can get in, in Novell. I was a master CNE and a group-wise CNE and like all the different uh, uh, shoot offs that they had of that. But um, yeah, I just, it, that was, and, and that was a great foundation because from there I was able to apply that skill that I had to uh Microsoft and Linux and, you know, basically everything after that.
0: Yeah, I think it's great. You found your passion, you know, working with that end user, you found you really like networking. And you also touched on a lot of key, key items there where, you know, when you're first starting out, you know, definitely find passion, but showing initiative, taking initiative to, you know, be a bug in their ear and follow them around and be willing to do whatever it takes to get technology or IT-related stuff on your resume. that That's huge because, you know, I remember when I was first starting out, I went to school for IT, got some certifications, I was working at restaurants, and it took me about a year and a half to find a job as a independent contractor, really, doing warranty repairs on Dell laptops and desktops and also printers. And this wasn't the most glamorous or sexy position. However, it did allow me to put real IT experience on my resume, and that helped me get a job in a network operations center. And the other thing that you mentioned there was building a solid foundation and being able to apply those skills in other areas. And I always preach that to people where, you know, when you're first starting out, build a well-rounded skill set, because you're going to be able to apply those skills that you learn and that knowledge in other areas. For example, TCP/IP. You know, TCPIP, you can apply that knowledge pretty much anywhere you're going to work. Absolutely, yeah. You also touched on the fact that even during that time, people wanted experience. And I was going to ask you about that, where based on what you just said, it seems to me that even during that time, during the 90s, during the dot-com boom, etc., that folks still wanted experience and valued experience over anything. And so would you agree? And how would you compare getting into IT in the 90s to what you see out there today?
1: Yeah. So when I got into it, like I said, I I got I I first started working on some printers and stuff like that. And, and, uh, you know, doing that sort of kind of break fix. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I had taken some Novell training classes, but nothing really uh, nothing really major, nothing really like certification training and stuff like that. But what ended up happening was, is that I um, I started uh, creating a lab in my own home. I uh, started playing around. I bought some old computers and I started playing around installing Novell and that sort of thing, and that's really what gave me a little bit of uh, of um, of experience, but uh, not not really at an organization like a, a true organization. Um, but what ended up happening was is that you know with my resume, I started talking and I, I met this one guy, which uh, it's funny because today he says that it was all him. That that I learned everything because of him, and I'm like, uh, no, not really. You gave me an opportunity, but sure, yeah. uh, but he did give me an opportunity, and and I was able to learn there. And the beauty of that place at the time was, is that it was like one of the only uh, companies in the in the area that did uh, networking upgrades, and you know, just networking in general, okay. and uh, just you know, having that opportunity to kind of get in at the ground floor. And what ended up happening is once I had my foot in the door you know, and I showed that, that I did have initiative and that sort of thing, I started getting um, projects, right? So the they, I remember one time Citrix, when before it was Citrix, uh, they had this thing called WindView and it was based on OS2. And I remember that they said, hey, have you ever done uh, WindView? And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And uh, then they said, here, I need you to go do this install. So <laughs> I kind of learned uh, on the job, but back then there wasn't a lot of people that had the experience. So, you know, if you had the initiative to even Attempt it; they would get, you know, you would get the opportunity. But, but it was, you know, it was challenging, and it was, it was very fun. I mean, that's one thing that I can tell you that uh, a lot of people ask me, like, oh, you know, you know, I, I like to do what you do, and I said, listen, if you are, if you, if you're content with every month or every couple months relearning all the stuff that you knew before, then this is the business for you. But if you are into like two plus two is four, and that never changes networking is not the business to be in because it does change. Like right now you talked about cloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, I call cloud black, black magic networking, right? Because <laughs> everything that you knew in the past just kind of have to throw it out and it's, com- you know, it's mostly different. But
0: I agree. Technology is constantly changing. It's evolving. And so being of the mindset that you have to continuously learn throughout your career is something that you need to start off with from the very beginning. You, ha- you have to love to learn. You can't just go in, punch the clock, so to speak. And you also mentioned some certifications, such as Novell. How would you say that certifications played a role back then versus today?
1: But yeah, that's that, that's really the difference now. Now there's more emphasis on on certification, and and there's supply and demand, right? So there's a lot more people that have that have started to study it. So it is a challenging uh, field now, and some, you know, you, you definitely have to make sure that you set yourself apart. So um, you know, constantly trying to update your skills and stuff like that and be involved in all the new technology that's coming out. Uh that way, you know, you can I I, I could tell you a quick story. I, I went to a uh when I was I used to do consulting as well. And I went in to do some security, some assess- security assessment. And I remember the guy telling it was a large company down here in Miami. And uh, I remember the customer telling me, okay, you know security. And I said, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm into security and this and that. And he says, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in my guys. And if you know more than my guys will give you the job.
0: Wow. Yeah. Just, you always have to be prepared and constantly learning and just be ready at all times. You never know what's going to happen.
1: You know, definitely you need to be prepared. So I, I do listen to a lot of podcasts and read a lot of uh, articles and stuff on on the internet to keep up to date with new technology.
0: Yeah. Keeping up to date is, is a must. I mean, you can't go to your boss and say, Oh, well, I know server 2012 R2 extremely well, but I'm not going to learn 2019 or I'm not going to learn the new features, right? I mean, constantly keeping those skills up to date is essential.
1: Yeah, and, and, and the other thing is, is something – it's, it's kind of crazy that, that I say it this way, but really when you think about it, it kind of makes sense. Is I tell people, listen, if you take six months off of technology, you're two years behind, Right. That's how fast it changes. Right. So you can't, you, you know, you can't let down your guard if you, you know, like with with cloud, those who didn't want to uh, to embrace the cloud, uh, you know, it's at their own peril. Right. Because now they they're struggling to to catch up. And, you know, you see that a lot with technology, you know, docking the Docker, uh, the Docker world, the containerization, uh, you know, InfoSec, just networking in general. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that uh that you have to stay on top of. So you can't, you know, even when you get up to the top, let's say you get to that point where you feel you're at the top, you you can't let your guard down.
0: That's one of the most profound statements I've heard in a very long time, where taking six months off could set you back for two years. That really sums up just how frequent and how often technology changes. I want to talk more about your career path and how you ended up over at Fortinet. From your work history, you've done everything from contracting to consulting. So I'm wondering, you know, I myself, I really like consulting. I like how fast paced it is at times. And, you know, honestly, it's it can be challenging, but I definitely like working with several different customers and working in several different environments. And so I'm curious, what made you get out of those type of roles and how you ended up over at Fortinet?
1: You know, a lot of folks ask me, you know, in the business, and, and I will say that if you're a contractor, or if, you are, if you're working for a bar, you know, doing uh, services, installations, and stuff like that, there is no school that's going to teach you as much as that. Because I tell, I tell people all the time, I said, you need to be able to go into an environment where there's been 10 years of who knows how many people piling on top of technology, on top of technology. And you need to go there and you need to understand the old technology that they may be running understand the problem, figure out how you're going to fix this problem, right? Without breaking the old stuff, right? And then come up with something that's going to work. So it is very challenging. And those who who do it and like it, it's a a breed of person, right? You have to really enjoy that.
0: Yeah, you brought up an excellent point right there. And I had a tweet and I put it on LinkedIn a little while ago that so much of IT consulting is being put in non-optimal scenarios and coming up with a plan. So when you mentioned 20 years worth of technology and implementations and changes and trying to come up with a plan on how to implement a new piece of technology that that really hit home for me. So you were doing the contracting and consulting and living the VAR life. How did you actually end up over at Fortinet?
1: Yeah, I, I was working at this one particular company for about eight years. And, you know, it just ran its course. And I was like, I got to get out of here. It was just not not right for me. And I just didn't like it. Mm-hmm. So I, I quit. And I went back to consulting. I figured I'm going to start my own business again. And I started consulting and I went to this other bar and they asked me, Hey, you know, we got this project for you to do. you have to travel all over the country deploying Cisco ASAs. And I said, okay, fine. The larger 5585s, And I did the work for them. I finished the project for them on time and thank God everything uh, worked out well. And then they offered me a position to stay full time. So I told them, I said, well, the only way I'm going to do that is if you guys, uh, Agree to starting a a, a true sock, um, you know, and and I'll I'll I'll, ru- I'll build it, I'll run it, and you know we'll hire people, and you know I kind of told them the challenges from a, a money perspective that they they can't pay uh, you know security folks the same amount that they're paying the other folks, and it's a different kind of different different character altogether, oh, right? And I told them some of these, and I said some of these people you cannot put in front of customers, <laughs> you know, they're wicked smart, but they just are not they're introverts and they, you know, that's just the the nature of of the security space itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said, you know, knowing that, do you guys want to get into it? And then they they agreed to it and I, and I built it and I started doing it. We were, you know, doing primarily Cisco and, and Palo Alto and, and Checkpoint, that sort of thing, doing managed services. So Fortinet came to our office and they said, hey, listen, you know, I want to, you know, I want you to take a look at this, uh, at this FortiGate. And I had done FortiGates before. I pretty much worked on every firewall that that has existed since the 90s. And uh, mm-hmm. I said, listen, you know, I did it. I did it once before and, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm not crazy about it. I don't really have time for this. And then says, look, just take it home, run it, and then come back to me. And I said, listen, I am brutal. I will come back to you and you may not like what I have to say, but I'll be 100 percent honest with you. She goes, "Okay, fine. That's all we need. So I actually took it home and I started playing around with it. And I started saying, wow, they've really come a long way from the last time that I touched it. Mm -hmm. And uh, to the point where I came back and I told my company, I said, listen, from this point on, we're going to use this as our delivery platform for all the managed services. And I got a little bit of pushback because they were a big Cisco shop. And, uh, you know, Cisco obviously was not happy about, you know, my decision. And they would march me into their office on a quarterly basis and, and uh, you know, put my, uh, you know, t- tell me all the new technology that they had. And my, one of my biggest thing, and I follow this uh, podcast uh, down the rabbit hole, um, and uh, one of the guys that's on there, his big thing is don't explain the problem as a problem that you can fix, right? And, and a lot of vendors, they end up doing that. They come into the place and they say, oh, yeah, like, you know, those that particular vendor was telling me, "Oh, well, you don't need SSL decryption because you know we have this endpoint play." And I'm like, "Listen, guys, that's it's not the same thing. You absolutely need SSL decryption." Um, so, anyways, long story short, was that they um, I had some pushback, and then there was an opportunity. And I, I was friends with a lot of folks at Fortinet because I had done work with them in the past, and uh, I saw a job a job, in, a job um, a posting on LinkedIn. And I remember texting it. I took a screenshot and I texted it to a friend of mine and he told me, he goes, if you want it, it's yours. And I was like, uh, "Okay." I wasn't expecting that answer. I was just, you know, just kind of kicking the tires. Mm -hmm. Um, So they made me an offer I can't refuse. And uh, I, I went to Fortinet.
0: It's amazing how often connecting with people and having a professional network of individuals that are in your industry can pay off in the long run and lead to future job opportunities. So you went from the consulting gig, you're at Fortinet. So tell me a little bit more about what you're doing at Fortinet.
1: At first it was a little strange. I used to fly around anywhere. So I covered 12 different locations, 12 different uh, offices that we had. So it, you know, getting a territory now at Fortinet with the current role that I have was a little different for me because I had to hand it off to other folks that didn't really, like it wasn't my area, like my territory that I covered. But uh, definitely night and day difference. And it's just, it's a different, um, it's definitely a different um, pace, if you will. It's different than before. I remember, you know, two, three o'clock in the morning getting phone calls and having to jump in my car.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I always tell people that when they get into IT that, you know, there's a lot of times where your job is going to be twenty You're going to be on call and, you know, you have to be aware of that. It also sounds like moving from consulting into the job at Fortinet was a nice change of pace for you.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
0: Your current title is team lead in the systems engineering team. Can you explain a little bit more about that and what you do day to day over at Fortinet?
1: Yeah, so so at Fortinet, my my role started mm-hmm. off as an SE, which is either systems engineer or sales engineer, depending on who you ask. Um and what some folks say, some people take offense to it, but I don't. <laughs> I One day somebody told me, he says, oh, so you're a sales caddy. And I go, what? And he goes, yeah, you know, you go golfing and the caddy's going to tell you, I think you need a seven or whatever. So that's kind of what I do. I keep my, my sales guy on it. So I go in sometimes and salespeople, not, you know, no offense to them because obviously they, they're coin operated. They need to, to close business. But sometimes they'll either you know, say something that's, that our, the product may not be able to do fully. Right. So I always have to give the official <laughs> yep. engineer, uh, response, which is, it depends.
0: <laughs> Good answer.
1: So, you know, I, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta, I gotta keep them honest. So essentially what I do is I go out with the cut with, uh, with my sales guy. So it's a, you know, what we call a four-legged, uh, sales call. And we sit down with the customer, we identify any requirements that the customer has for their particular project. While I'm doing that, I kind of use my sales hat because Fortinet. If you if you follow if you if, for those who, who who don't follow Fortinet, you very much be surprised that there is a a lot of different. Our product line is very large. Cisco will tell you that we are their largest competitor uh, because we have voice, we have cameras, we have you know WAF, we have NAC, SIM, wireless switches, firewalls, obviously endpoint. Uh, we just bought a SOAR company. Uh, we bought a, um, um, a sassy company now as well. So very, uh, very good company from a financial perspective. So we are able to acquire uh, custom uh, other companies as well.
0: That is something that I wasn't aware of going into it. I got into Fortinet by using their firewalls and have been impressed with the wireless gear and the switches as well. One other thing that you mentioned there is the acquisitions. And so it must feel nice to work for a company that is not resting on their laurels. They're continuing to push the boundaries and move forward.
1: Yeah, And and if you look at Fortinet, kind of the trend that they do is we have the security fabric, which basically um, integrates with other solutions that are out there. So if you're running a semantic endpoint, we can pull some of the telemetry information in from them and use it to do certain blocks and that sort of thing. And what we've done is, some of these companies have spent their time building into that security fabric. So when we acquire those companies, it's very easy to to bring them into the fold of Fortinet because a lot of that legwork of integration has already been done. So from from going back to to, to the to the question, so I go out with the cust- with the with the salesperson and we identify uh, different solutions. So if I'm talking to the customer and i realized that he's a heavily regulated uh organization i'm like well what are you guys doing for sim do you have a sim solution today and you know I, and i kind of position different products and different solutions and kind of build something for that customer and then the other part of it is the proof of concept what they call poc right so then it's the okay well show me what you're telling me i it's, this is show and tell right you you're telling me but i want to show i want you to show it to me so you know i go in and i um uh, you know create a scenario where we can drop in one of our boxes or one of our solutions in a way that we either parallel or something that's not intrusive to their network, test it out. And then if it's good, then we, uh, we, you know, we can go ahead and close that deal. And, and then what ends up happening is afterwards I'm like the liaison between our, our TAC and, and the customer. So if the customer opens a ticket and they run into a situation where uh, TAC is not responding to them correctly or or on time, they involve me. And uh, what I end up doing is I can escalate the ticket with the duty manager and that sort of thing. So I kind of become that hands-on face to the customer uh, for Fortnite. So it's definitely been interesting and, and I really enjoy it. And it's, and it's, it's great.
0: Excellent. In a lot of ways, this is similar to being a consultant. However, you're a specialist for the vendor. And with all this being said, I've been utilizing the SD WAN feature set of Fortinet for quite some time. Been really impressed with it. So, what's the most exciting thing to you right now happening at Fortinet?
1: So, so right now, this acquisition for SASE is really a uh, uh, one of the things that. And and for those who who have not researched it, uh, qu- uh, the Magic Quadrant. Um, they they've actually coined a new uh, technology called SASE, which is uh, security. Uh, actually, it slips from my mind now. But essentially, what it is 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 you can create these uh, private networks within a, a cloud environment. And what you can do is, let's say, if you have um, a bunch of sites, a thousand sites that have ASA and Sonic Wall and all these different firewalls, rather than upgrading all those firewalls to new firewall platforms. You could just use those to connect into uh, this cloud environment, and then when you egress out to the internet, you can have a Fortigate that's in the cloud that allows you to um, it allows you to use all those features, the SSL decryption and, and and all the IPS features and everything else while not necessarily having to upgrade your current infrastructure at the at the remote location. and what it does is it allows you to have uh, let's say pcs that are remote. Can actually VPN also into this cloud and have access to all of your uh, all of your environment. So it's it's, it's some pretty cool technology. Um, this company that we acquired, it, it was called Opaque. It was the name of the company, and they did a lot of the stuff for Palo Alto before okay. Palo Alto kind of built their their own Prisma uh, cloud stuff. So I'm really ex- I'm really excited about that uh, from from the SD WAN perspective specifically. Um, It's great. I mean, Fortinet is really working hard to to deploy new features. So just to give you an idea, our 6.2 version of code, we're actually on 6.4 now, we skipped 6.3. But 6.2, we introduced uh, 250 new features specifically to SD-WAN. And then now on our new one, 6.4, we've actually introduced another 300 features. So we we are definitely um, going toe to toe with uh, other um, the 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 folks that are just doing right. Just, uh, well, you know just that's all they're doing is SD WAN. Um, so what ends up happening with those different solutions is that you need multiple pieces of it. And the beauty of Fortinet is, if you were to buy ten Fortigates today and just do IPS and you know web content filter, and you decided, hey, you know what, I think I want to do an SD WAN solution. The beauty of it is there's no license. You just turn it on and start using it, right? And that's that's really the benefit to the customer at the end of the day, and especially now with all this COVID stuff that's been going around, which is definitely something we've had to all kind of adjust to. Um, it the, the savings is really important. So when you have these renewals uh, that are astronomical and these customers are looking saying, wow, I can get all this feature, you know, that I was getting with the other solution and even more, uh, it makes sense, right? At half the price or, you know, three quarters of the price.
0: Most definitely. That's one of the key selling points of FortiGate for me is the licensing model and so forth. That SASE product seems very interesting where you could have multiple branch offices or when your network is distributed across the country, say, and everything is managed through a single FortiGate in the cloud. That's That's pretty amazing.
1: Correct. And within that cloud, within that cloud environment, mm-hmm. For those that are, that are into networking a VRF essentially is what it is. it's a virtual routing and forwarding instance. so it's kind of all self-contained within there and uh, what what we have is we have uh, you know multiple t- you know 10 gig pipes into like Office 365, uh, GCP, uh, AWS, Azure that sort of thing. So you're able to get in there and then take advantage of those direct connections that we have And, and one of the nice features is if you do have your own IP block, like if you've gotten it from Aaron and or from, you know, the folks that are selling IP blocks now, uh, you can actually bring your, your address into the cloud.
0: Very good. We've talked about your path and your journey and how you got to Fortinet. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about some advice that you would give to folks that are just starting out in IT and maybe some of the lessons that you've learned throughout the years.
1: Sure. So. One of the biggest thing is to to really understand and, and to decide kind of where you, what, what is, what's something that's interesting to you, right? Because it used to be when I got involved, when I started out kind of, it was networking in general. And part of that was hubs and switches and there was how much storage you need on the server, how much memory, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And it was very small, kind of a very narrow path that you had to follow. And then we started seeing that routing and switching kind of took off into its own uh, world. And there was folks that that's all they did all day long its just routing and switching and nothing else. And then storage became a whole career path all in of itself. Um, and then, uh, you know, you had, uh, you know, database application sections and that sort of thing. Uh, specifically for networking and, and InfoSec, um, you know, there, the networking plus so yeah, CompTIA, That's a that's a pretty good. It, it covers a lot of area. Um, so that's that would be something that even if you don't take the exam, but if you do uh, get the content of it and start learning the the content that's in those those study guides and the the books and that sort of thing, you, you will learn a lot. But nothing is going to beat doing it yourself, right? Build a lab in your house, um, you know that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. You mentioned. Finding your passion and finding the right path for you, that's super critical. And in the Making It Happen guide, I actually go over a lot of the different paths and give you some examples of what to expect so people have a good idea of what they may like to do long term. And the other thing that you just touched on, too, is building a lab, and I'm a huge proponent of that. You should... Build a home lab, start a blog, start documenting the process. As you get in and start up building your resume, you can actually put things on there and put your blog. And this doesn't have to be like a you know big public blog or anything like that. It can be something very simple and basic that you only use for the job opportunity. The other thing is you may be surprised that there are several active communities and local groups that you can join and become a part of. And I always recommend that people put links to your blog on LinkedIn and try to get out there and connect with as many people as you can. Because again, there are several active communities out there in your area. So are you a part of any groups or organizations like that in the Miami area?
1: There's a lot of organizations out there, especially from an infosec on the security side. Uh, I'm involved in, in B-sides and, and, and there's, a com- there's a group here in Miami called Hack Miami. Um, there's ISSA, um and get involved in those groups it's funny because i used to think that some of these folks were like prima donnas and i would hear them on podcast or or you know watch different <laughs> podcasts that they were on and i was like oh, these people are unapproachable and stuff like that and and it's actually the complete opposite <laughs> you you go up to these folks and they'll sit there talk hours with you and you're like wow it's I you know I, you know so and mentoring right don't be don't be afraid right i tell my kids all the time i said listen if you don't know something just admit that you don't know it so that you can learn it. Because if you act like you know it or you want to, you feel like, oh, I'm not going to know something, you lose the opportunity of actually learning something. And that's really important. You should, you know, you should learn it and, and find a mentor, somebody who's willing to help you, somebody that, that um, you know, can help you out. That's really important. And like I said, get involved in some of these groups because you will get connected even from a networking. And I don't mm-hmm. mean networking yeah, as a computer kind of networking, but as in a you in know, social networking uh you will start building yeah you will start building those those connections and you know sometimes there's you know new positions that open up in other places and and really I hate to say this because the, the companies that that hire folks like to to work in-house in, in this tech in this technology world really the 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 name of the game is Get your foot in the door if you're not involved already, get your foot in the door in like a help desk and a in a maybe a knock where you might be working the night shift, but you know you you get visibility into folks' networks and you know how everything kind of works um and then you know once you learn some skills there, you can go to the next place and say, "Hey, look, I have these skills so now you don't come in at 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 the zero level, you come in maybe at you know level one level two right
0: yes, yes indeed, I always tell people. You need to do whatever you can just to get your foot in the door, get in, get some experience, get some skills, be a sponge, soak up everything, and then move on. And then you can look to branch out to try to do more what you like, if it's networking, if it's server infrastructure, if it's cloud, or in the security field as well. I really like what you said about finding a mentor there as well. Early on in my career, I had a couple different mentors, and they helped me not only from a technical standpoint, but from a motivational standpoint. I used them to Help me grow those technical skills and learn more about the technical side, but they also motivated me to be better and do more and take on more. Okay, Manny. So, any last words for people that are just starting out or maybe in their first few positions, and something that can help them be successful?
1: You have to be careful to to get get those connections, um, and and don't don't do anything stupid to kind of ruin your name. Right? You got to make sure that that you you know you got to be ethical. And this business is very easy to gain access to. And I've seen it so many times. Uh, you know, you're handling somebody's mail system mm-hmm. and, you know, you decide, oh, you know what? I want to go see how much so-and-so is making or, or, you know, that kind of stuff. It's very tempting. And, and some of the times and most of the times you end up having the keys to the kingdom, uh, but it's very important to to be careful because once, once your name is tarnished, um, that's it. This is a, a it's a large industry, but it's a very small community. And it's like that sixth degree from Kevin Bacon, right? You know, somebody who worked there that knows you. And if you, you know, your name is mud, as they say, um, you're going to have a lot of trouble. So, you know, keep your nose clean and and uh, do the right thing. And like I said, give back to the community, get involved. There's a lot of, uh, um, there's a lot of meetups and stuff like that that folks are doing now more so than before. Yeah. Um, before it was like these larger organizations that were doing it. But yeah, if, if you go to the Meetup app, there's actually a bunch of places you'll probably find locally of just networking folks or Linux user groups or you know anything like that. Definitely get involved in all that. Whatever you can learn, you know it, it'll it'll benefit you in in the future.
0: Yeah, well, that's really solid advice, not only for people that are just starting out in IT, but for people that are already in. And throughout this interview, you provided really great insight just across the board. So thank you for that. And the final question that I had for you is, where can people find you? Tell us about your blog and any other site projects that you have going on.
1: Yeah. So um, I have a, it's funny because I started the blog site as just kind of a place to to put my own notes in so I can go back and and read them after. And I was like, "Eh, no one's going to look at my stuff. And it turns out that it's it's pretty interesting the the feedback that I get, I get folks from all over the world that are reaching out to me, which is kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah, exactly. I I did the same thing. I just started blogging. And next thing I know, people were emailing me like, hey, thanks for posting that up. And (laughs) And funny you mentioned that. I, I'm one of the people. Yeah. That, that's how I found you. I found your on the blog, InfosecMonkey.
1: Yeah, so it's great. It's like, like you said, right? It's www.infosecmonkey.com. And, uh, it's, it's a lot of stuff that, I mean, it's primarily Fortinet stuff because what's what I'm working on on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, but there is some stuff mixed in there. I do, um, you know, some Linux stuff and some other open source stuff, but primarily it's Fortinet stuff. And, and the way I get my content is really from customers and I'll have a customer that will tell me, Hey, you know what? I want to, I want to be able to do this. And I'm like, Hmm, let me research that. And then instead of having to like, just keep notes somewhere, I'm figuring, you know what, I'll just do a blog post on it. And I put it out there. And it's funny, because I, I hear some even at this point in my career, where I've I've done a lot of, of different stuff, um, I, I sometimes I get questions that I'm like, wow, you know, I never thought of that. I never thought that that was a use case for it. But okay, yeah, let me take a look at it. And then when I do it, and I post it, I get a bunch of feedback saying, Oh, that's great. I was just working on this. And I didn't know how to do it. And I'm like, wow, it's crazy how the universe is kind of you know parallel person somewhere parallel universe where somebody's doing the same thing you're doing but it's definitely interesting and, and i'm on on uh twitter i don't i don't tweet too much uh, most of it is just my posts that i do uh but i do do some and i kind of keep twitter as just a business uh platform for me but it's uh at sec, at sec primate so s-e-c uh p-r-i-m-a-t-e like for InfoSec monkey, Somebody has InfoSecMonkey, at InfoSec monkey, but they're not doing anything with it. But I reached out to them and they never responded. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> 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 <I was about laughs>
0: with a different handle. Yeah, yeah. Well, Manny, thank you again so much for joining me on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time and all the insight that you provided. Your journey is very fascinating. I find it quite interesting how you were in consulting and a lot of your background correlates to the way I got into IT. And so, Just again, thank you so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. And again, folks, infosecmonkey.com is the website and the blog. I'm a huge fan of it. And Manny, once again, thank you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate being on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you for listening. If you want to learn more, please go to makingithappen.tech. That's makingithappen.tech. And you'll find links there for everything for the guide, for the blog, and notes on the podcast. You can also sign up for my newsletter. Please follow me on Twitter at neo net that's n-e-o slash net and a big shout out to Cameron Peterson for the intro music, kimpetemusic.com. Thank you again and keep making it happen.